Take your Bibles, please. Turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, we'll read verses 39 through 49 together. We'll read this passage responsively. John chapter 8, verses 39 through verse 49. Men, let me say, Happy Father's Day again. I really appreciate the men in our church. John chapter 8, verses 39 through 49. Let's read responsively. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they unto him, We be not born of fornication, we have, uh, we have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me, for I proceed forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there was no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? And let's finish on verse 49. Ready? Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. And let's pray. Father, we sure do need you. Thank you for the men in this room. Good men. Not perfect, but good men. Thank you for the ladies in this room and the families. The young people who have great heritages that are being laid for them. Lord, I pray that you help us tonight as we open the pages of your book. Help us to rightly divide it and please change us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I first want to say this without hesitation. I'm thankful that at the age of 56 years old, I still have my daddy. My dad's my hero. I mean that. I know some of you could not say that, but I can. He's been such a great example to me in so many different areas of life. I'm spoiled to have the dad that I have. My dad's been saved my entire life. That's a wonderful thing. Is my dad perfect? No, he had me. Uh, but uh, he's, uh, as I told my brother this morning, what, what an honor it's been to be, uh, have him as a dad. I mean that. It's an honor. Uh, I don't know of a more loving, harder working man in the world than my dad. This passage in John chapter 8 is very powerful. I thank God, as I said earlier, for the strong, manly presence at Grace Baptist Church. I've traveled the country some, and I love the ladies. I love uh, the sweetness of ladies, but the average church is all ladies and a couple old fellers and draft dodgers and old codgers that don't know who they are. Uh, thank God we've got strong men here at our church. And uh, I'm glad we've got a lot of great ladies. And uh, behind every strong man is a stronger lady. Now, uh, I believe God blesses us the way he does because we have people who want to follow what is right. Here in John chapter 8, God uses an interesting scenario. And I'm going to use some terms here. I'll define them and then you'll understand a little bit better. The religious people are condemning Jesus. I've said this on Wednesday nights, <clears throat> not as much on Sunday, 
when when the Bible talks about Jews, he's talking about a religion. When he talks about the Hebrews, he's talking about the nation. Sometimes we interchange those words, but it's not the same. That would be saying, uh, for instance, well, when you're talking about Americans versus Baptists, just because you're Baptist doesn't make you American. Just because you're American, it doesn't make you Baptist. And you definitely don't want to be an American Baptist. Anyway, that's uh, a denomination that's gone liberal a long time ago. Now, I say that to say sometimes we interchange and think Hebrew and Jew are the same thing. No, one's in reference to a race of people or a nation. The other is in reference to a religion. Now, here's the interesting part. Jesus always was contrary to religion. Have you ever noticed it was the religious people Jesus had the worst problem with? It wasn't the lost world. It was the religious world. Uh, Jesus was trying to get these religious people saved. He was trying to bring them to the truth. Listen to me very carefully. The word religion is not used very often in the Bible. In all, almost in every case, it's used in a negative connotation. I'm not a religious person. I'm a Christian. I'm not a religious person. I'm saved and I'm trying to obey God. There's a difference. Uh, these religious people, though, they had a power over the people. Religion can be a, an addictive power. And I'm not here to criticize. I don't mean this in a critical way. I'm going to talk facts for a moment. The Catholic Church is a political, religious institution. They hold power over governments. They hold power over people. It is a city-state. The Vatican is a city-state which gives the Pope the rights to travel to any country as any ambassador would representing their own country. And it is a powerful thing. They own property all over the world. They make profit from the Catholic donations from all over the world. And they, they it, it's, a, it's a multi-trillion dollar enterprise. And a lot of people don't understand that. And again, I'm not being critical. I'm just stating facts to you. Well, bless the Lord, Grace Baptist Church, we're not rich. But we're doing it the way God said do it. And uh, the religious people did not want to accept Jesus, and I'll tell you why. Because they'd have to admit they were wrong, and they had to give up their power. Isn't it amazing how selfish humanity is? Isn't it amazing how selfish we are? Well, I have a doctor's degree. I have this many degrees. Well, some people have more degrees than they have temperature. It doesn't mean that they're smart. I, I really, I've met some people who didn't even graduate from high school. It's got more sense than people that have multiple college degrees. You give me a redneck that loves God didn't graduate from high school, I'll take that over some theologian somewhere that doesn't believe that that book's the word of God. Any day. Well, this person has knowledge. Knowledge that's not based in truth is worthless. Do you ever notice? Go through the New Testament. See how many times Jesus and the disciples are at the temple or the synagogue preaching. What were they doing? People were getting saved and they were leaving the temple and going to the church. <laughs> that went over real well, I'm sure. You're taking our people. <laughs> yeah. Jesus talks about God the Father here a lot in John chapter 8. The religious people wanted nothing to do with him. By the way, he later tells them they should call no man Father. 
I wonder what our religious brethren do with that verse. When the Son of God himself said, call no man father. Look how much religion does that. They got angry. Matter of fact, if you looked at John chapter 8 verse 59, the last verse, watch this. Then they took up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. They got so mad, they picked up stones and they were going to throw rocks at him and kill him. Bash his brains out with rocks. He had to hide amongst the people to get away. Not because he was afraid to die, he wanted to get to Calvary. It wasn't time for him to die. Of course, today is Father's Day. And uh, I, I, I don't often preach, I, I'm not restricted to preach a sermon because of a holiday. God knows that's true. But may I say something? God is the ultimate father. Uh, he is the ultimate example. Men, we are not perfect. I know that's hard for you. But we're not. We ought to want to be more like God the Father. But Jesus talks about more than one father here in John chapter 8. And I want to ask you a question tonight. Which father pattern do you follow? Which father pattern do you follow? First of all, God wants to be our father. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Oh, some of the sweetest verses in all of scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse number 17. Now, I used part of this passage this morning, but I want you to, as Paul Harvey would say, know the rest of the story. Look at verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will do what? Receive you. And I and will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. That means this. For us to be to have God as our Father, we have to come out from among the world. We can't live like the world and have a father relationship with God. I love my dad. But I'll promise you, if I started living the wrong way, there's going to be a break in fellowship. You say, why? Because he doesn't want to condone some of those things. Parents may say something, maybe if we wouldn't cater to and pay for our children's wrongdoing and we would put that separation there, maybe they wouldn't do wrong as long. I'm not saying that you can control that. They make their own decisions. And as I said this morning, we can't base a parent's goodness or quality of goodness as a parent based on the outcome of the child. That's secular humanism. It's up to every individual to do that which is right, plain and simple. Now, I will say this, if children are brought up right, I think they have a better chance of choosing right. But it doesn't mean they're all going to choose right. If everything is based on the leader, then probably God is the worst father in the, in the universe because every one of his children's done wrong. It's not God's fault. Quit beating yourself up. If you got grown kids and they're not living right, their problem, not yours. And I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm trying to help you. You have to understand something. At some point in time, the responsibility falls on the follower to do what's right. And it's not just the leader's responsibility. Now, listen to me very carefully here. God says that I will be a father unto you. 
Turn, uh, well, we won't turn there, but I, I used this morning John chapter 3 with Nicodemus and Jesus and saying, you must be born again. Uh, being born is part of a family. And to have a birth, you have to have a father and a mother. And that means that God wants to be our father spiritually. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit at salvation. That is where the conception takes place. Turn to Romans chapter 8. This is going to get a little bit into our Bible study for Wednesday night. But Romans chapter 8, look at verse number 5. Romans chapter 8, verse number 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is at, at enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Notice God says here that we're not going to please God with our fleshly life if we're only living after the fleshly life. Eat, drink, and be married. Make money. Buy all the things we want. Let's do what I want. This is how I feel. It's all about me. No, that won't please God. It is through the Spirit and the obedience to the Word of God by the Holy Spirit of God that we please God as our Father. Uh, let's skip down to verse number 15. For ye have not received the Spirit. Notice the small s. The spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption, capital S. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. Notice two spirits there. Capital S, small s. That we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. <clears throat> if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together that means this when we get saved our spirit is reborn but we're also adopted into the family of god because of sin we can't be brought into the family of god any other way there's been an estrangement we came from a different father you are of your father the devil and we have to be Brought into the family by a different daddy. Ooh, buddy. Not only are you born again spiritually, but you also get adopted. You get both at salvation. Look at Luke chapter 11. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Look at verse number 11. Luke 11, verse number 11. If a son shall ask bread of you, that is a father. Will he give him a stone? <laughs> Depends if dad had to cook the bread. Uh, or if he ask a fish, will he give, uh, for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children... How much more shall your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Now look at me for a second. Even lost people like to do things for the kids. They'll give them things. They'll try to give them what they want. Sometimes maybe the wrong way. Sometimes maybe the wrong things. Sometimes that's their only expression of love is to try to rent or buy their love. I'm against that type of, that's the only thing you do. But I will tell you this, you can't love without giving. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. What, what better, or should I say, uh, what more perfect father could you have as a figure than God? Number two, this is where... We separate things. Look at John chapter 8. 
before we get saved, the devil is our father. John chapter 8. Ye are of your father, the devil. And the less of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now watch me very carefully here. The Bible says that we come forth of the womb speaking lies. Did you know that the primary sin of a child is lying? Did you know you don't have to teach a child to lie? They do it naturally. Can I tell you why? Because we're of our father, the devil, and he is the father of all lies. I didn't say it, God did. There would be some that would call that the root sin, the core sin. Uh, Some would use a term original sin. No, it is a sin that we have been passed down upon by our father, the devil. I'll guarantee you as adults, at whatever age you are, it's still hard to always tell the truth, even to yourself. Isn't it amazing how much we can lie to ourselves? Oh, it's not that bad. (laughs) You see, when we are born into this world, we are born of our father, the devil. We were conceived in sin, according to the scripture. And because of that, because we are conceived in sin, there is sin that is passed. Romans chapter 5 says, For by the disobedience one, many were made unrighteous. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. That means this, every human being that has ever been conceived is a sinner. Can I help you with something, especially grandparents? Uh, little Hudson's, what, four months old or so-ish right now. And yeah, he's cute and all those kinds of things, but can I tell you something? He's a sinner. I know his mama. I know his grandfather. Brother Nathan's a sinner. Uh, now, wait a minute. Uh, I, I understand something. Uh, well, the terrible twos. Yeah, do you know why the terrible twos and the thunderous threes hit? Because they're sinners. They're acting like sinners. It's amazing what takes place in a child the moment they get saved. It doesn't mean they stop sinning, but things take place in a child that gets saved early in life and their life begins to change. You say, why? Because then they get that new nature that we can start working on. And try to feed it more than we feed the old nature. But can I tell you something? Christian kids lie too. (gasps) Yeah. Just like you do. There's so many things I want to say here. Our physical birth is by Satan. Once you get born again, you then have a spiritual birth that is eternal. A physical birth is temporary. A spiritual birth is eternal. Now watch this. This is why the world's so nasty. The devil is their father. Look at all the murder, the violence. Look at all the violence we watch on television. The average news, and I haven't watched TV news in three or four years, but the average TV news is nothing but violent act after violent act after violent act, thievery, Lying, lewdness, on and on. Read the newspaper. It's full of nastiness. Most of it's not even true, or it's just a partial truth spun to go somebody else's direction. Did you know there was a day when a couple got engaged and there'd be an article, their engagement was written about in the newspaper? Their wedding was written about and sermons were put in there and all kinds of things. Now, if you're a Christian, 
you're a dirty, filthy, rotten, scum of the earth, no good uh, person. You're a hater. The, we're going to put you on the, 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 the hate list. You're right. Sign me up. I hate sin. Say, what's happened? Because the world is following the liar, the devil. How can these alphabet soup people really believe they are what they think they are? Because they're following their father, the devil, who is a liar and a murderer. They're believing the lie they've been told. Did you know if you take a, a child and from the time he's born, you tell him that the sky is red, he'll believe it? Why? Because our minds are programmed to believe a lie. Because we're sinners. You can't tell me that a grade school kid thinks, if it's a boy, that he's a girl. Or that a girl thinks she's a boy. They're programmed to think those things. That's not something that just happens naturally. I hate to disappoint you. Everybody doing all right? Well, the leading psychologist. There's your problem. So, number three. This is where it's going to hurt. Who do you want to be as your example as a father? Who do you want to pattern your fathering? And may I say something? I'm not talking about... uh, As a pastor, the word pastor sometimes actually means almost like being a parent. And all of us that are getting older, we have to parent younger people. I've got younger pastors who call me and say, Preacher, I need your help. Just like I jokingly say, if it's broke, it's 1-800-MEL-BUSH. Amen? Uh, Pops, help. (laughs) Got it. Say, what is that? I become almost like a dad to some of these younger preachers. Boy, does that hurt sometimes. Got a kid in his 20s or early 30s. I'm so glad I got an older preacher to rely on. Oh, shut up. Slap you upside the head, you little twit. Next time I'm going to tell you to do the opposite just so you suffer a while. But no, I wouldn't do that. Now, wait a minute. In some ways, I become almost a, a spiritual type father, a pastoring type father to them to help them. That's what we're supposed to be. Instead of getting upset at what they don't know and you think they should know it, how about we take time and teach them? So, here's my question. Who do you want as an example as a father? Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Boy, we're real good at one of these verses, or actually two of these verses, but the third one, we want to cross off like the RSV does. Children, verse number 1, obey your parents and the Lord. Notice, plural, parents, mom and dad children are to obey not tell mom and dad what to do children obey your parents and the lord for this is right now notice something there's a different statement in verse number two honor thy father and thy mother look at me for a second it went from parents to father mother obedience comes to a minor honoring comes to an adult Do you know what the word honor means? That doesn't mean lay crowns at your feet and praise you. That doesn't mean serve you. The word honor means to take what you've been given and make it bigger. I'm to take what my dad and my mom have given me, expand on it, and make it bigger for the next generation. That will honor my mom and my dad. That little booklet on death that we've given out thousands of copies to and helping people and almost every week I get a note about how it's helped somebody. I was honoring my mother even in her death. We used my mom's death to honor 
And look how many people have gotten help and strength because somebody was willing to not hurt and grieve and cry and mourn and be all whacked out, weirded out, and never get through it. They used it to honor. My mom, in her death, is helping hundreds and thousands of people. Why? Because I decided I would honor her. Not because I... (laughs) Just so you know, I miss her. Anybody says they don't miss a loved one that's gone is not real smart. But can I tell you something? I decided I'd honor it. I'd take that little that I was given and make big what I was given. I've decided to honor the memory of Brother Hiles and Dr. Joe Boyd and Brother Roloff and Brother Robertson and others that I came in contact with. People that most of you never saw or met or heard of before, but because they put something in me, I can now honor them and build that up to you so that you can learn what I learned from them. And God says that adult children are to honor their father and their mother. They're to take, hey, if your daughter is married and she keeps house and she keeps it as well as you did or close, they're honoring you by how they take care of their home. Everybody doing okay? My wife, when Josh graduated from high school, my daughter was probably 10, 11 years old. We were going to the graduation party, and she stepped out of the house, and she snapped her ankle and broke it. She was carrying a big thing of garlic pretzels that she had made. Well, the pretzels went right across the sidewalk. I'm grabbing her, trying to sit her up, and my son Jeff, Mom! Are there any pretzels left in the thing? (laughs) Teenage boys, they're hungry, amen? We never made it. Yeah, good boy, amen? Uh, We never made it to the graduation party. We spent the graduation party at the emergency room getting our ankles set. Never made one moment of it. But can I tell you something? 10, 11-year-old girl cooked meals for five people for the next couple weeks till she was up able to do it. The rest of us kept house. She wasn't able to get around. Do you know, at 10 and 11, my daughter was actually taking care of the meals. I'm talking about breakfast and making lunches and everything else for everybody at school and everything else. She took care of all of it. Why? Because she had a mama that was teaching her. Now, mom was there to guide her, but couldn't get up and do it all. Could that be why when she got married, we didn't worry about Michael starving to death? She knew how to keep house. Now, whether she does it or not, that's her business. I don't know, don't care. But she knew what to do. Everybody doing okay? That's called honoring. Here's the interesting part. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and thou mayest live long on the earth. Why? So your parents don't kill you. Uh, Now watch this. Look at verse number four. And ye who? Fathers. What's the next word? Provoke not your children to wrath. Oh. Do you know what the word provoke means? It means to incite someone's emotions. It means to deliberately press them for an emotion. Can I put it in redneck vernacular? Don't poke the bear. You poke the bear long enough, he's going to bite. Too many times we fathers provoke our children. We expect them to know at our age what they don't know at their age. Well, I told them once. Yeah, how many times did you get things the first time? Well, I've been doing it for 30 years. Yeah, you've been doing it for 30 years, but this is their first trip around the block. Hang on. Well, they ought to know better. I told them once. I understand that. But how many times has your wife told you to do something that didn't get done? Don't you blame your kids now. Everybody doing okay? Now, here's the interesting part. God says, but bring them up in the nurture 
and admonition. Are you one that provokes, pokes, pushes, forces, drives, makes everybody mad and angry and screaming and hollering to get everything done? Or do you bring them up in the nurture and the admonition? Is it a battle every time that you're with somebody? Then you're provoking people. <laughs> I was trying to help a pastor this week and he had a problem. And I, I told him, look, if you need me to drive there, I'll drive there, stand beside you. I'll show you what to do. He said, no, I think you got this. He said, just need a little help. And I said, this is what you need to do. He did. A couple hours later, he called me. He said, man, he said, preacher, it worked just like you said it would. I said, I told you. You got to hit a mule harder than you hit a puppy. Sometimes, I said, no, they'll get in line. You're trying to treat everybody like a puppy, and every once in a while, you got a stubborn old mule there. Anybody knows anything about horses or cows or things? Animals have different temperaments. <laughs> Sometimes you got to get in their grill. My sister-in-law had a horse. Remember that stupid horse Tam had? Peak. Oh, I hated that horse. That horse got her in the stall, backed her up and kicked her and busted up her knee and she had surgery and everything. I mean, he was mean. Me and Pete got into it one day and I ended up getting off that horse and I walked around and grabbed him by the lips and turned his lips inside out and twisted him. He say, oh, that'll hurt. No, 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 no. That's how you control a horse. You rip his lips around like that. He'll do, 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 whatever you want. They put a twitch in their nose. You can get a little like pair of pliers and stick it in their nose and twist their nose the same way. I wasn't sticking my fingers in his nose. But I grabbed a hold of his lips and just... <laughs> I brought him down and he and I had a come to Jesus moment. I walked him back and it was amazing how after that he decided he was going to listen. Now most you don't have to do that way, but every once in a while you got to get their attention. As my father would say, you got, sometimes you've got to smack them with a two-by-twice. Uh, and if that's what it takes to get their attention, that's what you do. <laughs> my dad talks about he had an old milk cow. And she used to like to kick. Well, he got tired of getting kicked and getting milk bucket kicked over everything else. He'd walk her in the stanchion, tie her leg up. He'd pull that thing, legs off the ground like this. Go ahead, kick me now, watch yourself fall. Oh, that's cruel. He didn't get kicked. See, well, I, I just think that's cruel. Well, you sit down there and get the business end of a cow load for you for a while, and you'll find out what you'll do. Now, wait a minute. Sometimes we provoke people. We want to push their buttons. We want to force our way. We're expecting a certain thing done, and if it's not done the way we want it, can I tell you something? As a leader, nothing ever gets done the way I want it unless I do it. And half the time it's not done the way I want to do it because after I got it done, find out I shouldn't do it that way. You all know what I'm talking about? Why is it that it has to be your way or no way? Who made you God? So, God says, bring them up in the nurture and admonition. If God's way is nurture and admonition, then provoking is our other father's way, the devil. If provoking is the devil, nurture and admonition is God. Number next, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7. I got to hurry. I have... Two or three more things here, but I'll go through quickly. Second Timothy 1.7. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hmm. Let me ask you a question. If God does not give a spirit of fear, which father gives a spirit of fear? The devil. Governments that lead by fear are evil. Leaders who, live, who lead by fear are leading the way the devil wants. 
That's why Jesus said to his disciples, we're not going to lead that way. We're not going to force people to follow. You never one time find Jesus forcing by fear people to follow him. He walked by and said, fellas, I'm going somewhere. Uh, I, uh, if you'll follow me, instead of fishing for fish, I'll teach you how to fish for men. Instead of trying to feed people's bellies, I'll show you how to keep them out of hell. And, and, and it's something that will be everlasting. If you want to follow me, follow me. Here I go. He never forced anybody to follow him. I never one time in scripture see Jesus saying, well, I'm the leader. When he stood before Pilate, he said, you say that you are the son of God. What did Jesus say? He didn't get up and say, of course I am. He said, no, thou sayest I am. Ooh. Now, wait a minute. He was the son of God. He had the ability to prove he was. He withheld that power. He did not force. He didn't lead by fear. Uh, you know, it's real. God asks us to talk to him. You don't have to be afraid to talk to God. If people are afraid to talk to you, maybe you're leading more like the devil than God. I didn't say it. God did. God hath not given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Boy, do we live in a soundless, mindless generation. Man, people are dumb as a brick. Whew. I got to hurry. Turn to Revelation chapter 12. There's so many more things I want to say. I have to leave a lot unsaid. Revelation chapter 12. Look at verse number 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God. And the power of his Christ. Now watch this. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony they came and loved not their lives unto the death. Now look at me. God calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. I want you to notice something. Not the false accuser. Did you know the devil doesn't accuse you of something that's false? He accuses you of your actual sin. He stands before God and says, there, there's Devin. Did you see what he did today? God, did you see what Devin did? God, do you have time to talk about Ellen? Might take a while, but uh, did you see all she did today? Now, wait a minute. He doesn't say things that aren't true. But God looks at him and Jesus is our mediator. And he said, God, I took care of that under the blood of Jesus Christ. They're as righteous as I am. Doesn't matter what he says. The devil does not accuse us falsely. He accuses us of the things we have done wrong. Now, in other words, he's always blaming somebody else. He's trying to show the negative in everybody else. Instead of the devil just accepting his own fate, he has to stand before God and say, did you see what Aaron did? Did you see what Ron did? Did you see what Randy did? Did you see what Mrs. Meyer, I mean Brother Myers did? <laughs> Isn't it amazing, men? We want to blame everybody else for our problems. Maybe we ought to quit being so proud. And <laughs> I'm going to make a statement here. If my wife says, honey, I think we have a problem. Guess what? I have a problem. When my kids would say, Dad, I, I think we have a problem, whether I thought it was a problem or not wasn't the issue. They thought it was a problem, therefore it's a problem. It may not be my problem, it may be their problem, but it's still a problem. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to my children and said, I'm sorry, I didn't handle that well. Well, not me. Well, that's a problem. I can't tell you how many times I've said that to my wife. 
I've not always handled everything perfectly. I know that's a disappointment to you. But can I tell you something? I'm not so proud I can't listen. I talked to Brother Anthony this week about coming on board here, and I, I made a statement to him. I said, son, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not hiring you to say yes to everything I want to do. I'm not hiring a yes man. I need you to be able to say, preacher, I don't get that. I don't understand that, and I don't think that's good. He looked at me. He said, that's different. I said, I don't need a robot. I need somebody who can think. I need you to protect me by thinking what could go wrong. I said, now, if I overvote you and I veto and I do it anyway, it's my fault. I'll take the blame. Don't you worry. And you may do something that's your fault, and I'll get up in church and say that was my fault. He said, but preacher, that's not right. I said, yes, it is. That comes with the title pastor. I said, then I'm going to pull you aside and say, next time, let's not do it that way. Let's fix this. I said, but I don't need you to tell me I'm right all the time. You men on the board, you know this. I tell you, don't be a yes man. Say why? <laughs> because if everybody's in total agreement on everything, somebody's not thinking. Everybody doing okay? Wait a minute. That's what makes a good team in marriage. When he says, watch this, y'all, the wife ought to be saying, I don't think y'all do that. <laughs> there was things I wanted to do with my boys. You know, by the time they were four, I wanted to give them a 20-gauge shotgun and take them out hunting. My wife said, I don't think that's a good idea yet. They'll grow up. They're not able to handle that yet. All right. So at age five, can we do it now? No, not yet. Now, wait a minute. I listened. We worked together. I'm glad I listened. She saw things I did not see. It doesn't mean my wife's right all the time. But I've learned to say, yes, ma'am. I've learned to say, let's step back and look at that again. And as I told Brother Anthony this week, you may not be right either, but between the two of us, we might find out what's best. Here's your problem. Your way or no way. Well, that's the devil's way, not God the Father's way. You see, if every, if every problem you have is because of someone else, you're like the accuser of the brethren. I'm dealing with a couple situations right now, and everybody wants to blame somebody other than themselves. And they don't like it when I point out what their problem is. Ooh, well, that's, no, that's the problem. You're just trying to skirt these other issues to cover your problem. Try to pin down mercury once. Isn't it amazing? The more we put the pressure on people in D.C. that are wrong, how the pressure comes back on the right people. Proverbs chapter 30. I'll finish with this. Proverbs chapter 30, verse number 2. Uh, yes, Proverbs 30, verse number 2. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. Uh, that's the wrong chapter. There we go. I was in chapter 29. Chapter 30. Surely I am more brutish than any man and have not the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom nor have the knowledge of the holy. Oh. Now, I want to tell you something here. Men, there's more to being a man than turning 18 and being hard physically. My Bible says you can be as hard and as rough and as brutish as an old bull in the, in the stockyard. But if you don't have the understanding of a man, you're not much a man. You might be rough, tough, tumble, you can fight, you can lift more weight, you can do more things physically than other men. That doesn't make you a man. Fathers are to have a good understanding. 
Let me read another verse to you. Proverbs chapter 4. You need not turn there. I'll just let God say it. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. Isn't it amazing that a father is supposed to be understanding? A husband is supposed to be understanding of his wife. Now, fellas, no man can figure a woman out. Women can't figure a woman out. That's true. Now, wait a minute. There's times I understand that my wife doesn't understand. There's times I have to say, just trust me on this, and if it's wrong, I'll take the blame. There's other times I need to recognize those fears and say, why are you afraid of this? Maybe I need to step back and look at this. My wife will tell you, I don't make all the right decisions, but I'm pretty good at understanding. Pretty good at understanding. One time she was back in the car out. We were in Indiana, and she broke the mirror off the car. Oh, she called me. I wrecked the car. I thought, oh, no. Who did you hit? I didn't hit anybody. Okay, what did you hit? I hit the pole in the driveway. Okay, how bad's the car? Well, the mirror's hanging down. I said, okay, how's the rest of it? It's fine. All right, we'll fix it. Now, wait a minute. She was so upset. She said, hey, just get mad. Just just yell at me. Get it over. I, I'm not going to yell at you. It's a mirror. None of the kids are hurt. You're not hurt. I don't give a rip. It's plastic and glass. We'll fix it. It's a mirror. But it's your staff car. I don't care. It's a car. You're okay. Kids are okay. Who cares? But, but I know you're upset. I know you're mad. I couldn't be happier. Mirrors are easy. A little super glue and here we go. I know people that would have come unscrewed because their wife knocked a mirror off the car. I'm happy that's the only thing that took place. You know, God says that manliness comes by understanding, not by brute force. We're to expect people to use understanding for us. If you get to the point where people just have to understand you and you don't care how you act, you're acting like a bull in the, in the, in the stockyard. You just put up with my meanness because that's what I am and I'm not changing. Well, bless God, you need to get right with God. Here's the whole sermon, and I'm done. Which pattern will you follow, men? You want to love and lead like God, your spiritual father, or do you want to hate and be bitter and angry and nasty like your physical father, the devil? Ladies, it applies to you. It applies to all of us. Which father figure are we going to follow? Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. Which father figure do we want to be? Which father figure do we want to follow? How do we want to lead in our lives?